from the Technology Association of Iowa, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Waller, with my co-host, Molly Ross. This podcast will provide an exclusive look into technology-focused legislation during the 2021 session at the Iowa State House. We will speak with state lawmakers and Iowa technology companies from various industries on specific tech legislation, what it means for Iowans, and how it may impact technology companies across the state. The Iowa Tech Policy Podcast is proudly presented by Shazam, a member-owned debit network, processor, and core provider that believes community-based financial institutions strengthen and improve local communities. Learn more at shazam.net. Additional support provided by Davis Brown Law Firm, Google, and ProCircular. With the legislative session nearing its end, we're taking a look back today at some of the legislation TAI has been tracking and providing an update on many of the bills we've discussed in previous episodes. Joining me today to provide updates and offer insight is Sydney Gangstead and Tim Coonan, attorneys at Denton's Davis Brown who represent TAI at the State House. Tim and Sydney, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. So early on, we talked with Senator Dan Dawson about Senate File 539, which focused on the state's IT infrastructure and encouraged a cloud-first approach for upgrades and enhancements. TAI supported the bill for a few reasons, including that we felt like this was a reasonable effort to future-proof our state's technology investments. Can you provide our listeners with an update on what happened with the bill and any insight you may have on why? Yeah, sure. Um, So first of all, Senator Dawson has become a real champion for our issues, uh, has a fundamental understanding of the role of technology, uh, and is someone who wants to incorporate, be very forward-thinking. This bill um, was supported in both chambers. Um, It it was interesting because it it opened up a pretty technical conversation uh, that TAI members were uniquely suited to engage in with uh, the legislators. Um, But... uh, like a lot of bills, it made it out of committee uh, and, and never got floor action. And I think, and, I'm, and I'll turn it over to Sydney to get some of her impressions. I think part of that is because there were so many other uh, tech issues and, uh, and tech-centric issues that this sort of fell by the wayside. But the good news is uh, the bill is alive for next year because we're in the first year of a two-year legislative session uh, cycle. Uh, and so um, given the support it had last year, I would not be surprised if it gets some positive attention next year. Yeah, I think Tim has definitely um, hit the the main highlights of, of this bill. This is a very forward-thinking bill, and uh, it was introduced in both the House and the Senate, um, Senator Dawson being the main champion in the Senate. Both bills have been re-referred to committee, so like Tim said, we will have the opportunity and we'll definitely be revisiting these bills in the 2022 legislative session, and we look forward to TAI having the opportunity to support Um, both of those bills in 2022. So speaking of some bills that keep coming back, we spoke with Senator Zach Walls joined us to discuss the importance of diversity and inclusion for Iowa's workforce. Two of the bills that we discussed were Senate File 436, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and Senate File 224, commonly known as the bathroom bill. TAI was opposed to both. Can you give us an update on what happened? Sure. And uh, this is not TAI's first time opposing this legislation. TAI actually joins a growing and broad business uh, coalition, uh, including the Iowa Business Council, um, the Association of Business Industry, 
the Chamber Alliance, a number of individual companies, large employers who have decided that, uh, and not just decided, but uh, have heard and know that this is not the right look for Iowa. And that is that is a conversation that raises a lot of passion on both sides. There are people who support these bills and just uh, the people on the other side of this bill uh, care very deeply about it. They're not, and they will bring it every year that they can. Uh, the bill died, did not get a committee vote. Uh, that is that is pretty new. In the past, we've gotten a committee vote. I think the lesson and the takeaway is that the community that we're talking about, uh, the LBGTQ plus community, but also uh, the business community's view that is shared with them has friends in both parties. And it, it took Republicans to not have this bill come to a vote in the, in the committee. I think this is one of 15 similar bills that died in the funnel, did not get out of the funnel. Um, I hope that story gets told too, that Iowa gets credit there, there's every every legislator is allowed to bring any bill they want. There's no controlling that. What's impressive is that not one of those bills advanced, uh, and that the business community is increasingly visible on these issues to the point where I think at some someday, you know, they're, they're, they may just recede from discussion. TAI has supported adjustments to the angel investor tax credits for a few years now. And it seems as though Senate Study Bill 1196 has a potential to do just what our membership has been asking for. Can you talk about that bill and where it is now? This is a bill that uh, a number of organizations have been working on for quite some time. It's a fairly simple bill. It costs the state no money, uh, and you, and it would position itself so it would encourage just the kind of uh, angel investments that we need in this state. The type of tax credit that is needed is oversubscribed. The type that is not needed, no one's using. So we would like to be able to have that money flow between the two types of tax credits to be used as needed by the investment community. This bill has always, in the last two or three years, been linked to another tax credit program that the House supports, but the Senate does not. Both the House and the Senate support the ANGEL tax credit program, but it's really just been some political uh, maneuvering at the end of session every year. Uh, that being said, uh, we are on the agenda today in the Senate Ways and Means Committee um, to move out, I would assume, move out of committee. Uh, and when we were last at the Capitol just you know half an hour ago, uh, they had not convened the committee meeting yet, but it's on the agenda. So we, we will actually see some movement on this bill here this week. Next, we want to talk about tech censorship. It was a hot topic this year in the legislature and with our public policy committee. We talked with Senator Liz Mathis about the bills that were proposed in the House and the Senate. Can you give us an update on what has happened with those bills and if you happen to have any predictions on whether those conversations will continue? That's a really good question and one that's not going to end this session regardless of whether a bill passes or not. And that's something that as an industry we need to prepare ourselves for uh, and make sure we're accurately communicating our position legislators, which I think we have. Uh, we talked about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and the passion behind that. This passion comes from a similar place. It's a philosophical passion. And those that want this bill and these bills are concerned that, quote, big tech um, platforms are the new public square. And because they're the new public square, they have a responsibility to give equal time, basically, which is an interesting uh, an interesting juxtaposition against the idea that they're also private businesses. 
would not typically be required to give equal time. But but in this case, uh, the proponents of this bill believe it's, a, it's purely a First Amendment issue. For TAI, we're not getting engaged in the philosophical issue. The fact of the matter is we as an organization are one that's dedicated in many ways to creating and fostering a positive environment for the tech industry. I mean, that's our reason for being. The reason we engage on RIFRA is because we want a positive environment for a technology workforce. We engage on this issue because Google and Facebook and others have become extremely big drivers in our local economies. And this bill is designed, these bills are designed to get them where they can, which is where they touch in Iowa. They have taken, they, our members, have um, been fortunate enough to be the recipients of aid, both at the state and local level, incentivizing that job creation and that economic development, much to the happiness of the communities that they end up in. TAI's mission needs to be that. It's, it's, it's representing its membership and being able to continue to foster that environment. And so it's going to be an issue where we will, we will probably not win over those who propose this bill. But what we can do is continue to make the case that this state is better off with Google and Facebook and others in it than not. And, and that's, where we, that's the argument we've made and, and uh, we'll continue to. I know there are people very dedicated to getting something done this session. Um, I don't know if it will get done. There's still a lot on the plate. But like I started out with, this is not going anywhere. As an organization, we need to be prepared for this for this discussion and this debate to morph and change and evolve. Uh, and we're gonna need to stay as engaged, if not more, uh, this summer, this fall, and into the next legislative session. So you mentioned briefly the benefit that these companies have brought to the state of Iowa. That's a, a, certainly a concern that we have at TAI and that our president, Brian Waller, expressed in an op-ed in the Des Moines Register. Did you happen to hear any feedback on that op-ed or our opinion piece? I did. And, you know, the, those, again, the proponents of the bill, um, that argument is not does not hold water um, because it doesn't it does not rise to the level of First Amendment protections. And I, I've got to say, I respect their opinion. I respect where they're coming from. Um, uh, they are sincere in that. Uh, but by the same token, um, you know, we're sincere in what we're doing. And that is, you know, are you really making a difference with these companies by having them locate somewhere else. And, and that's, you know, our point is it's not, it's not just that Google and Facebook are here and other uh, providers. It's all of the technology students at Drake and at Iowa State and at Iowa and the community colleges that'll stay in Iowa because we have this tech, this relatively booming tech industry it's all of the suppliers, all of the technicians that are required to continue to maintain and grow the, the infrastructure. This is exactly the workforce we're looking for at a time where you can't go two sentences when talking to a policymaker about how to recover from COVID without hearing the word workforce. And here we are doing something that, again, runs counter to what I think is the larger agenda up at the Capitol, and that is workforce and economy and retention. Next, we'll continue our conversation with Tim and Sydney. But first, a brief message from Denton's Davis Brown. Over the past year, telemedicine usage has increased tremendously. 
Many expect that trend to continue after the pandemic, especially in rural areas. I'm Susan Freed, healthcare attorney at Denton's Davis Brown. I help healthcare providers in clinics, hospitals, and care facilities operate successfully in a challenging regulatory and reimbursement landscape. For more information and blog posts about healthcare regulation, head to dentons.com slash technology, Iowa. Another hot topic and a popular one this year was broadband. Broadband expansion was a, pro- a priority for TAI and for Governor Reynolds. House File 848 was passed unanimously in the House and Senate and was just signed by the governor today. The big question mark remaining is how much funding will be allocated to the program. Can you talk a little bit about the bill and any insight you have on the funding element? Sure. Um, expanding uh, expanding broadband to uh, underserved areas was a major priority for Governor Reynolds and the legislature this year. What we saw signed today, House File 848, is the policy, uh, setting forth the policy, the framework for expanding broadband into those underserved areas. The big question, as you said, is related to how are we going to fund that? And at the beginning of this year, at the outset uh, of the the legislative session, Governor Reynolds, in her condition of the state, announced that she would like to pledge $450 million to broadband expansion in the state of Iowa. Um, That's a huge number, and I know it excited a lot of people, particularly our association, TAI. We were very supportive of HF 848 and are very supportive of any ways that the legislature can find uh, to fund that broadband expansion. At this time, there is $100 million committed to broadband expansion in the House version of the administration and regulation budget. The Senate does have a separate version of the administration and regulation budget. At this time, that $100 million is not mirrored in that Senate version. But as of last week, we believe that um, both the House and the Senate have committed to that $100 million. Those are the state funds that would be put towards broadband expansion. We also need to look at the federal dollars that are available to the state through the various uh, economic recovery packages that have been passed by our federal government. So that would include the CARES dollars as well as the American Rescue Plan. Um, There are a number of dollars that the governor can utilize in those programs to um, fund the broadband expansion program. So at the end of this legislation dollars, you know, what the what that amasses to, uh, whether it's the entire $450 million or if it's a, a, you know, just a chunk of that, we do know that we have a broadband expansion program. It's a grant program through the economic development, sorry, it's a grant program that will be run through the Iowa Economic uh, Development Authority. And we do know that there will be a large investment um, into that program through a combination of both state and federal dollars. A couple of additional bills that we did not get to discuss on the podcast, but that we've been watching are Senate Files 490 and 491. 490 would provide an income tax credit for individuals who move to Iowa from out of state and work for an Iowa-based company. And 491 would provide grants for Iowans working remotely. What have you heard about these bills and their potential to make it through appropriations? Well, and in both cases, um, those bills will be alive to the end of session because they're either a ta- you know tax or a appropriation. Um, I can tell you that the the appetite for additional tax credits in this environment is not not good. Um, just and has nothing to do with the program. 
uh, you know, it's it's a good idea. It's just that uh, they're in the business now of actually trying to reduce taxes. And I, you know, a while back, um, the idea of tax credits was always this panacea, you know, to solve some issue and be able to encourage or discourage some behavior um, at no cost. But that has changed. There, the, the prevailing view now is those tax credits, and it's true, cost money. Even if they're not used, they're accounted for. I, I would say probably unlikely that that bill makes it um, unless there's some large, unless it's part of some broad tax policy. Um, and then the grant program for the remote worker, that's an idea. I don't think that the time has come yet. I don't think that that's, I, it's, it, it was generally popular. People like the idea. They like the idea of having flexibility and obviously COVID, you know, it, it's, it's time perfectly for that because people are remote working all over the place. Um, but again, it's grant money. So that's new money. Uh, getting new money or new tax credits out of this legislature is a tough, it's a tough hurdle. I mean, we have a hard time getting a tax credit that uh, doesn't cost any, any more money than's already been allocated. And uh, it's not, and, and I will say that the, the, the budget is in great shape. The Iowa budget is in great shape. Um, and, uh, and so I guess I'd say for those two bills, it's important to keep talking about those issues and maybe finding other ways to incentivize them. But I think for this year, it's unlikely we see action on either of those two bills. So we know the end of session is nearing. Talk to us about what's happening at the Capitol now and any predictions you may have or may have been hearing about what may shake out of some of these major pieces of legislation in order to bring session to close. So the 110th day uh, is the scheduled last day of session, which is this Friday. And um, I can pretty confidently say that I don't think we'll be done on Friday, the 110th day of the legislative session. That um, that doesn't mean we can't go on beyond the 110th day. That just means that the legislative per diem runs out on Friday um, and we can continue to work beyond that. Obviously, there are a number of issues that need to be resolved before the legislators can go home. Um, the legislators need to craft a budget for FY 2022 and 2023. At this time, leadership still needs to agree on an overall number, uh, overall budget number for our state. And then subcommittee chairs will need to work together to work on the details of those budgets. We have seen budgets um, come out of appropriations in both the House and the Senate. Um, we'll need to reconcile a number of not only uh, budget differences, but also policy differences within those bills. We do have two large tax, major tax issues that need to be resolved. Um, and that kind of works into the budget as well because they'll need to account for how they're going to work, factor those numbers into the overall state budget. Um, and those tax bills are the property tax reform, um, as well as a tax bill that repeals the inheritance tax and removes the tax triggers that were put into place in 2018. Um, so the legislature will need to make some pretty major decisions on those tax bills before we close. And we also have a number of policy bills that are still lingering. At this time, um, there may be at least a few weeks ahead of us before we can finish. Um, once things line up, things can move quickly. And so uh, Tim and I are always trying to be vigilant as to keeping an eye on when when we might see the end of session, you know, when you can start, when you see the light, when things start to break, uh, because once things do move, things can move really quickly. Um, but I would not anticipate that we wrap up before Friday. And I, and I think for TAI's perspective, uh, 
the, the major things we're watching for TAI down the stretch. Uh, the broadband funding that's in the admin and reg budget, as Sydney alluded to, the potential reemergence of the big tech censorship legislation in the form of an amendment or another bill, the the potential reemergence of a Religious Freedom Restoration Act amendment or bill. In fact, an amendment has been filed on a bill uh, that to that effect and that we're paying attention to. And then finally, the the angel tax credit, the innovation tax credit. So broadly, those are the four active things that we're tracking for for TAI and obviously just anything that comes up beyond that. But uh, by this by this time of year, you're kind of got yourself down. You know, at the beginning of the year, it just feels like you've got this giant landscape, this huge shoreline. And now by the end of the year, because it's a funnel, right, it funnels into the final issues. And so um, hoping for developments on two of those issues, hoping not for developments on two of those other issues. So we think we're getting close anyways, maybe two, three weeks left. Looking ahead, we also know there will be a special session coming this fall. Anything we should expect our membership should be looking for? Well, the special session is most likely going to be confined just to the redistricting. Um, but I think that I think that anyone who's interested in government uh, and how government works should pay close attention because this is this is something that doesn't happen. Uh, the Census Bureau usually brings the numbers out uh, in the spring. The state of Iowa, the General Assembly usually gets maps drawn and approved. And then we are already off to the races for the, 20, for the 2022 election, the next election cycle. Um, they watch for the net effect of all of the candidates' timing of announcements and the political calendar changing because nobody knows what the districts are going to look like. And so that, dri that drives a lot of people's decision. You'll also have legislators thrown in with each other because their districts have been combined. But all of that is usually able to be decided. The math on that's by May or June of now. So, so it'll be interesting to watch the acceleration after this session, uh, after the special session when the new maps are drawn. Well, Sydney, Tim, thank you so much for all the work you do for TAI and for Iowa's technology industry. And thanks for joining me today on the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Molly. Yeah, thanks, Molly. And thanks to all the members for um, all you're doing on the grassroots. It's, it's vital uh, to our success at the Capitol. That wraps up this episode of the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. At TAI, we believe every company is a technology company. Join us over at technologyiowa.org to help build and unite Iowa's technology community. If you like this podcast, please share it with your colleagues and friends.